0: I have really been looking forward to today's guest and program. Recently, I went through a boot camp of Main Street Philanthropy, and it really helped inspire me how important being an informed giver is and how it can help people get purpose in life. A lot of people today are looking or searching for meaning in their lives. While that might sound a little sappy today, I think it'll be interesting to hear what our guest Ryan Ponsford has to share today. Ryan has been a financial advisor to high net worth individuals. He's seen a lot of the struggles that have happened with affluent families, and he, along with another partner, have developed a program that is being distributed around the country called Main Street Philanthropy, where they teach youth how to be an informed giver. And he started out testing this in a reform school, and it really reformed the lives of some of the people that went through the program. So today is going to be very interesting. It's with great pleasure. I welcome Ryan Ponsford. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's great to have you. I'm really looking forward to today's talk because we're going to be talking about something that I don't think it's talked about very much, and that's philanthropy and giving. And one of the things that I see quite a bit is that a lot of kids today, they're not communicating with each other, they're texting all the time, they're not talking even on the phone, and there's no interpersonal relationships, and everything's in the now. You can push a button, instant, anything that you want. Information, games, everything. It's all about pushing a button and getting instant responses, and I think what's happening is a lot of people are losing those relationships, that purpose that people should have, their motivation. I think you see a lot of people that aren't that happy, and I know I came across the things that you're doing, Ryan, with Main Street Philanthropy, and how it's just transformed lives and giving them purpose. I know a lot of us care about our families, and we look at taking care of our families, but a lot of times we're not thinking about philanthropy today. So talk a little bit about your background, Ryan, and how you got into this Main Street Philanthropy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jim. What's fascinating is the whole philanthropy piece of it came on accident. What triggered for me was I was working with pretty affluent families in a large financial institution within the private bank arena, and I quickly recognized that as wealth was transitioning to kids, what I saw happening is the kids were blowing the money and hating each other, both of which are bad. The other thing I recognized is I asked people a lot of times what was most important to them in life, and if anybody thinks about that, if you were to take a piece of paper and write down what is most important to you in life. And put your top three, four, or five things. What I found after interviewing quite a few people is family tended to hit number one or number two on pretty much every single person's list. And so it became clear to me that if family was important to people and what was happening when wealth transitions is their families were fracturing, and my job was to help people increase wealth, and as they went up the wealth chain, that problem seemed to get worse, then what was I doing with my life? So I sent out on a personal journey or mission that started out as curiosity and turned into a much more passionate endeavor around how do I solve this issue of wealth transition. And in doing that, I came up with kind of some core areas that were issues within the family. And where philanthropy came in is once I recognized that philanthropy wasn't about money. Most of us think about philanthropy, we think that it's something that's reserved for very wealthy families, it's about writing big check and getting tax deductions and maybe your name on a building. I at one point had a lightning moment, I realized it really wasn't about that, and it even came down as simple as breaking down the word philanthropy, and if you look at the Latin or Greek roots of it, it's phylos anthropos, love of humankind. Just on that simple thing, it doesn't say money, it doesn't say large checks or tax deductions, it just says you got to love on people. Once I realized that is really what transpired and triggered in my head, this ability to use giving, not being about the recipient, has nothing to do with those you give to, does a little bit, it's nice and it's great, but really how do we create a methodology that addresses these core issues that families have and philanthropy became the vehicle.
0: As you were talking about that, I was raised a Catholic, and I'm not here to spout religion today, but I know in the New Testament they do talk about the guy with all the money comes with the whole entourage to give money, and then the poor person comes and gives the couple pennies. It was talked about that that person gave more because they were giving of the heart, not necessarily for the show. And well, there is a benefit, and sometimes, of letting people know you're giving when you see the likes of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, and their challenges other billionaires to be philanthropic sometimes leading by example and that publicity of showing that they're willing to do that can maybe help others give but really at the end of the day as you said it's about finding your purpose in life when you give and you understand what you're giving and who you're giving it to boy it sure gives you a personal sense of satisfaction and it's not always money that you're giving it might be your talent it might be your time there's many different ways to give.
1: Absolutely. And what you also triggered on there, and not to go biblical, but there's a passage in the Old Testament where Elijah's going to the well to meet this widowed woman. I won't get into the whole story, but the premise of it is that giving is really about changing the heart and minds of those who give. That's really what makes the difference is what you described is how does this transform the lives of those on the giving side, not just the recipient. And again, I think you're right on. That's the point. And whether it is giving of a lot, a little, just a resource or your time or your talents or your ability to connect people, each one of those things. mean, it's simple as you hold the door open for somebody when they come in. It makes you feel good. Right? They appreciate it, and then they, you feel good. So it really is a self-driven, self-enhancing, life-enhancing. And there's even studies that will tell you that those that are generous by nature, by statistical probability, tend to be healthier, happier, and oddly enough, more financially stable.
0: It is amazing. I've always lived by the adage, the more you give, the more you get. You can never outgive what you get. And you don't measure that necessarily in dollars. It's the happiness. It's the personal satisfaction. It's the peace of mind. Those are all things that come to mind to me when I give to causes that I care about. Let's talk about what you call the four pillars of family continuity, because as we started to discuss here, it is not exclusive based on your balance sheet. No matter what walk of life you are in, these are the same whether you're rich or poor or somewhere in between.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. So the four pillars of family continuity was a concept that came up when we really tried to tackle and narrow down what are the areas within a family that we can address in order to lessen the likelihood of failure. If we look at it, families, by statistic, about 70% of the time when wealth transitions, really regardless of the amount of wealth they have, it results in a loss of wealth on the part of the beneficiaries that blow the money, and it also ends up in a lot of really fractured relationships within families. In trying to address those issues, the four pillars that we came up with were kind of key areas that we found families ought to be considering. The first one we looked at is the family's importance of having a shared purpose or vision or mission for the family. And that one got triggered just in a conversation I had with somebody that once asked me, what's the purpose of your marriage? And that simple thing really made me think a lot. And I started thinking, you know, my business has a purpose. My marriage has a purpose. What is the purpose of my core family? And how do we have a long-term vision together, which allows us to see each other in each other's futures and lessen the need to fight over stuff now? So do we have something that we share that we're passionate about as a family other than just we happen to share DNA? The second one we called family heritage, and this is largely the history of where you came from. Most of us, when we grow up, we don't necessarily know what kind of sacrifices that our families made, our parents or grandparents made to put us in the positions that we're in. And if you really look at it and start capturing the stories of families, there's a lot that everybody went through. There's a lot of lessons to be captured that can be helpful in our lives. And there's a lot of important family traditions and things that can be used to even connect families. So both in the context of the more of what I call the technical side of it, what mistakes did people make as they were building a company or building a business or investing or whatever it is because there's a lot to learn from that but then also what's some of the glue that's kept our family together for my family was music we all sit around and sing songs after we have dinner and so that's been a big part of capturing our own family story and our family legacy that's one of our connection points the third one we call family recess. Family recess is real simple. How do you have fun together? No objectives, no agenda, just ensuring that you have fun. And, and recess is an old term that we used to all have in elementary school, and everybody looked forward to recess. I've got a six-year-old. What did you do at school? What was your favorite part? Recess. So how do we have that same experience as a family? We're just having fun and making memories. Think about your memories in a childhood because you grew up in your childhood What are we creating for our own kids and our own grandkids that are just fun memories that, again, are going to keep us connected over the long term? And the fourth one is one that's most commonly addressed, and that's the family strategic planning, which is really all of the more technical planning that we do, which is the estate planning and the investments in your financial plan and all those types of things. And for the most part, advisors have done a pretty good job of addressing those types of issues, but it's important. It is critical. It's the least likely to cause the problem when you look at the statistics of causes of failure, but it's also of the most important that you get those things shored up and done
0: properly. Ryan, this has been great to set up a foundation of what we're going to talk about next, and I can't wait to get into it. When you talk about family planning and strategic planning and getting estate planning done and looking at investments, that's all the logical stuff. But the hard stuff is the glue that keeps everything together. A lot of times families just don't get around to doing that or they don't know what the tools are or what can help them in that area. People might be listening and say, you know what, I don't have a big estate, this isn't for me, but I have had families that literally had little to nothing, but they had some personal belongings. And when you talk about that family heritage, you get a couple kids being sentimental about some item that most people would take to the dump or to goodwill as a donation, and it has very minimal value. But you have two kids that won't even speak to each other anymore because they haven't gone through this process of having that understanding as a unit. It is just so important to have those discussions and have that continuity in the families. We're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to talk about what Ryan has co-founded with another gentleman out east, and it's called Main Street Philanthropy. And it has literally changed lives of people that are not of the significant means that we might have been talking about here recently, so just stay tuned. Having a conversation with your child is like putting money in the bank. For example, every time you ask your child So, how was your day? you've just added to your conversation trust account. And when you say to your child, good job, son, you get double deposits. And the more you ask, the more you put away. And it's good advice to Excuse me. And it's good advice to have... Stop that! And it's good advice to have little chats with your child as often as you can. Thank you. Because someday, when they're teenagers, it may pay off big dividends.
1: Dad, can I ask you something?
0: Give your family everything. Give them your time.
1: Thanks, Dad. I think you're right.
0: Welcome back as we continue to visit with Ryan Ponsford. He is the co-founder of Main Street Philanthropy. And before the break, we were talking about a lot of the issues with families where 70% of families' net worth doesn't survive to the third generation. And that's with wealthy people that have the means. But we also talked about the things that might tear families apart and things that can help glue them together. I just have to say, Ryan, I have been truly inspired by what you and Scott Fonsworth have put together, this Main Street Philanthropy. Why don't we just start out with, it's kind of a teaching tool that you've developed for school kids, for families, for businesses that teach them just what philanthropy is and what it does. And what I'd like you to share first is your first experience with teaching troubled youth and what that meant to them. Yeah,
1: this whole experiment was call it an accident, call it whatever you want. But what happened was we designed this thing for families originally and then happened to see a correlation among kids at a local middle school here in San Diego that was part of the juvenile court system. We found that we were able to take them through a multi-week process where we put them on the giving side of being philanthropic. And in that experience, what we saw were lives being transformed. We saw these kids wake up that didn't have a sense of purpose or identity or feeling like they could make a difference in the world that really just came alive. There's three different gangs represented in our class alone, and those kids were working together around trying to solve a common problem around animals, around youth with medical issues, and they got passionate about these things and just woke up and got engaged. At the end of the program, after evaluating organizations, they got to go hand-deliver checks to these places. And what we saw just in their lives and their confidence come out of this thing was just absolutely mind-boggling to where we had come to the conclusion that this experiment needed to become real. And that's what inspired us to sit down and really wrap our heads around what could this become? Could we truly inspire and transform a generation of students that are traditionally more self-oriented, get them more outwardly oriented, and looking beyond themselves to what's bigger in order to change and inspire their lives?
0: And at the end of the day, this didn't have to do with the dollar amount. It had to do with what the purpose was. I know you've recorded some of the testimonials of these kids. If somebody wanted to see this life-changing, heart-changing transformation that happened to some of these youth, where would they see that?
1: One of the things that we did that I think is one of the most powerful parts of this is these kids blog each week as they go through this program. So we ask them a couple questions, but ultimately they're free writing about their experience. So you get a really intense glimpse into what's going on in the hearts and the minds of these kids. So for that organization, we have a website. It's MainStreetPhilanthropy.org. We also have MainStreetPhil.org. We'll route you there in case you don't want to spell out philanthropy under the course tab, you'll see there's links to all the different schools that we've been in recently. And you can click on those school links and drill down into individual blogs and read what all these kids are writing. I found that to be one of the most inspiring parts of this is really getting an in-depth insider's view as to how these kids' lives
0: are being transformed. Now, I know what you have done. You've got a multi-week course that volunteers go into the classroom to teach these courses. I know the volunteers, I've heard some of them speak about their experiences, their lives have been transformed to just leading these groups through that process. And you guys have done just an awesome job with that. You also have done the same type of course in an accelerated version that families can do. So if they're looking for a mission or a vision, putting the families together, multi-generations to work on it as a family project that is more of a compacted course where they could get together, spend a half a day together and work through this in a much shorter time versus the school version, which is what, an hour a week or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So in the schools, our program is typically 10 weeks where we meet during their normal class period. So it's an hour a week for 10 weeks. For families, that can be a little tough. With logistics and everybody running around and sports games and all the other things we're doing, that just wasn't realistic. So we designed a program that we can do, in ideally it's in three sessions, and we meet once a week for three weeks. We've done them in two, so there's a lot of flexibility in how you do it. It's really about deploying this methodology. We basically came up with seven steps and seven enrichment exercises, each of which can be done really in any amount of time and allows families to go through this whole experience. The idea behind it was, I joke that it's the gateway drug to health, happiness, and family continuity where the whole experience is intentional, I mentioned those four pillars, it gives you a little glimpse of each of those areas of those four pillars of family continuity. So it's very intentional to start triggering people to think about these things without having to talk about dying and wealth and estate planning and all that. Just a fun thing that a family can do to create connection with each other.
0: Now, I got to share with the audience, I went through this process myself on the shortened version. We all met in Orlando For those of you thinking it was like a vacation time, it was in the middle of summer and 95 degrees and hot and humid isn't my idea of a great place to go, but... We all got together and we divided into groups. We picked up on where each of the groups were passionate about. Then we started researching charities in the Orlando area and we were taught how to confirm that. We made the phone calls, did all those things that Ryan was talking about. And I gotta tell you, Ryan, the most touching part of the whole thing is when we went to those charities and delivered these checks. And these weren't huge checks, but it was amazing how appreciative the people that were passionate and running these organizations were you had no idea how that felt to do that. It was just a great experience.
1: Well, you hit on it that it's not about the money. And I keep encouraging families to do this where it doesn't need to be thousands of dollars. You can get your kids working together with, you know, a hundred bucks or fifty bucks or a couple hundred dollars, whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. The process they go through is literally transformational. And you're right. These organizations, especially once they hear. What everybody went through and they're evaluating their 990s and they're calling and interviewing, most people don't do that. I've got families I work with that give away millions of dollars that don't do that much research and due diligence. And so these charities actually really appreciate the work that was done and the fact that they got selected. It's inspiring for them. The check giving part of this is one of my favorite parts, obviously, of the entire experience.
0: The 990 you mentioned, for those of you that might not be aware of what that is, that's actually a tax information return. It's a return. As long as they're a tax-exempt charity, they file these reports to prove that they're doing things within the rules. What ends up happening as kids, and me as an adult, I mean, here we're going through those 990s of those organizations to really get an in-depth understanding of what they are. One of the side benefits of this, these kids don't necessarily have to be the philanthropist of the day like a Bill Gates is, but they learn some real life skills that go beyond just donating to charity or giving to charity, right?
1: Absolutely. And the 990s are always a funny example because you ask anybody, and especially adults, how fun does it sound for you to sit down and analyze a tax return? Most people cringe or open their mouths a little bit. It sounds awful. These kids, once they go through this, and we've made it pretty straightforward, there's a simple form and a document that helps them understand what's in there and how to extract information. They just get a huge boost of confidence of saying, yeah, I've evaluated a tax return. I know what goes into that. I know how it works. And that in itself is a great life skill to be able to understand quantitative analysis. They're cold-calling organization. Who doesn't want people that are brave and confident enough to call people they maybe haven't met before and can understand them? They're writing and blogging. There's so many life skills into this thing. That's really the key. We call it philanthropy, but really it's about
0: life skills. Ryan, I really appreciate you joining us today. You have created a marvelous tool for families. As I started the show, I talked about there's not that interpersonal relationship. People are pretty much there's offices in their homes and everything else and one of the great things about technology is it creates all these opportunities but it also detracts from some of the relationships that have been built, the meaningful relationships among families, being engaged with your community and the worthwhile causes that are there. And this is a great opportunity for people to have some glue added to their family relationships and their community relationships. Now, one thing I would encourage everybody to do, if you haven't talked about philanthropy as part of your goals, what legacies you wanna leave, that's something you should talk to your advisor about. But also, if you wanna go through this program with your family or you want to help make this available in the schools or you want to donate to the cause. What's that website again, Ryan, if people want more information or wanted to help you out or get started in their own community, where do they go for that?
1: Yeah, you can reach out to Main Street Philanthropy, all spelt out, Main Street. So the whole idea is we're bringing philanthropy to Main Street. So out of Park Avenue, off Wall Street, into Main Street, anybody's qualified to do this. It's not about money. This is about changing lives through just simple concepts and getting inspired and excited about, in my opinion, I think, potentially redirecting a culture gone sideways.
0: Our theme on this program is always, don't go it alone. I'll tell you what, we talked about those 990s, the training tool that you have and working together with your team of advisors, it makes it so much more meaningful. And again, Ryan, I really want to thank you for, first of all, providing this service, but also to share it with our listeners today.
1: My pleasure. It's been a treat. I obviously love this stuff. I'm passionate about it, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share it. For those listening, I hope you'll, you will found something useful here, and if you can get your family together and give away a couple hundred bucks, I promise it'll be well worth it.
0: Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button.